This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Today on episode number 677, we have a really cool because of my podcast story. And this is the most brutal, honest truth. John Lennon said it. Just give me some truth about making money with your podcast. I'm going to give you the top ways and what is the worst way to make money with your podcast. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast consultant, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where I help you massage your message. I help you tackle the technology. I help you face your fears and flatten that learning curve and get you not just podcasting because look, you can go watch a bunch of old outdated YouTube videos that are really, really popular, unfortunately, and it'll steer you right into the wall. I get you going in the right direction. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. Or if you're looking for something free, go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash baby steps. And as we baby step into the episode, I always like to start off with a because of my podcast story. If you have one of these, simply answer the question, because of my podcast, blank. And that blank should be something that, well, it wouldn't have happened except you had a podcast. And this one's a doozy from my buddy, Darren Dake from The Corner Podcast. Hello, Dave Jackson. Darren Dake with The Coroner Talk Podcast and the director of the Death Investigation Academy. I know that you like because of my podcast stories. Well, I have a really interesting one because of my podcast I have ended up on a documentary on the HLN channel. So a little backstory. I've been podcasting, as you know, and some of your listeners might know, the Coroner Talk podcast has been active since 2014. I've been podcasting since 2012. But over the last few years, I'm starting to get more and more speaking engagements, more and more consulting gigs, things like that. And because of the podcast, I've been able to expand our training. And so I am a full-time podcaster slash trainer. But because of that, I was asked to weigh in on an autopsy report of a case out of Oklahoma. And you may have heard of it. It's the Hell in the Heartland series. And it has to do with the two girls that were missing in 1999 and their parents were killed and the trailer was burnt down. All this occurred in Oklahoma. Well, because of my podcast, there was a listener who was friends with one of the investigators and told her friend, hey, you need to contact Darren and see if Darren can weigh in and help you understand the autopsy report. So they did. I did. And then a couple of months later, they asked if I would be willing to be videoed answering questions about the autopsy report that will end up in a documentary. At that time, we didn't know what network or what the name of it would be, but I agreed. So they sent a film crew up and we all set up and I positioned myself in the morgue with all the cameras, and we videoed for four hours. Now, out of those four hours, we have probably the last couple of episodes that I've been on, you know, a bleep here and a bleep there, and they know how them documentary sound bites go. But nonetheless, I have gotten a lot of people that has told me they've seen it. Uh, I think it will help promote the podcast, help promote my training, and all because I've been podcasting consistently for years, now I've got national exposure through the HLN network, which is, which is owned by CNN. And so it's a big production. Even though my spots are little, I still have the exposure. So again, the series is called Hell in the Heartland. Whether you want to see me on it or not is irrelevant. It is a great documentary. It really exposes the story and, and what went on during that time, during the investigation or lack thereof. And it's just a great four-part documentary. So, Dave, thank you again for everything you do. I am probably one of your biggest fans. I appreciate everything you do. And you know what? I feel that we have been friends for many, many years, even if it is from just meeting up at some podcast events and being virtual friends. But you've meant a lot to me. Your shows mean a lot to me. And you have helped me along this journey. So I give you credit. I thank you very much, my friend. I hope you enjoyed this because of my podcast. And I'll tell your listeners you know what? Just keep being consistent. Keep doing the best job you can. 
and good things will happen. Thanks, Dave. Have a great day. Thank you, Darren. Darren is such a cool guy. When I got the chance to speak at Social Media Marketing World, Darren was nice enough to come out and be on a panel. And granted, he got a a ticket in into the place, but like many, it depends on how many times you've spoken at Social Media Marketing World, if you get a free hotel or not. And we did not in this instance. That's not a complaint. And, but it's uh, hotels in, uh, San Diego are not cheap. And Darren's a coroner. He, I'm sure he might have picked up some things on social media and things like that. But I've always just really appreciated the fact that he came out. We did a, uh, panel on monetization because Darren is a guy that over the years, you heard him. He's been doing this like five years now and he's just been consistent and he found a niche he found a need in his market because there's something really weird if i remember right cuz Darren's been on the show before with because of my podcast cuz he went from like hey i got to ask to speak and i got asked to speak on a couple like statewide things and then it went and now he's built his own academy and it went from like the basement of a church to like his own building now he's doing all this stuff and if i remember right it's something like something weird that only a government would do where like you have to get certified like every year in like insert state, but they only do the training like every two years. So it like the, it doesn't add up and Darren's like, well, that's all right. I'll certify you. So a super great guy, coroner talk. If you like CSI kind of stuff, it's not the makeup TV stuff. This is real crime scene investigation. And he's got really cool t-shirts as well. I own one myself. So thank you, Darren. And it leads really nice into today's discussion because we're going to talk about the one question that everybody wants to know, and that is how do I make money with my podcast? And one way you can make money is by editing other people's podcasts. And that's why I'm here to tell you that the Podcast Engineering School, the next semester starts September 10th. Look at the calendar that is right around the corner. This is where you get live, interactive online training. So if you have a question, it's not like watching a video. You can go, Chris, that didn't make any sense. It's going over to my head. Chris Curran, this guy has been in the music industry working with big, big names that you've heard of like... Oh, I don't know. Foreigner, Sarah McLaughlin, MC Hammer. I mean, Ice Cube, Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley, how cool is that? I mean, the list goes on and on. And now he's bringing his skills as an audio engineer to podcasting. So you get live interactive training, two one-on-one mentoring sessions with Chris. Major, and I mean major discounts on really cool software plugins. You get lifetime access to the Podcast Engineering School closed community. I'm actually part of that because I took Chris's class and it's a really cool community. And if you love gear, holy cow, you're going to love that community. And you actually get a certificate of completion. You can check everything out at podcastengineeringschool.com. And right now there are super early bird specials. And so it's going to start again September 10th. It ends October 22nd. It's weekly two-hour classes. So think about this. You're going to get done in October. And if you want to start making some money, let's say next year, some extra income as an audio editor, this is going to be perfect because you'll get done in October. You'll get yourself a little chance to practice and really get your skills up. And by 2020, throw your shingle out as an audio editor. If you're thinking about this, if this sounds like something, if you love editing audio, this is a great way to take it to the next level. Simply go out to podcastengineeringschool.com. Again, early bird pricing is now. You better hurry up. Hey, man, I checked out your podcast, bro. It's dope. You making a living doing that? Yeah, yeah. I got, I got a ton of listeners. You know, advertising dollars are really rolling in. I feel like I'm making a difference. Yeah. Advertiser dollars are rolling in. And today we're going to talk about the best ways I feel to make money with your podcast. But I got to say this up front. You don't have to make money with your podcast. What? I went hiking today. In a park, didn't make a dime. I went biking last week, didn't make a dime. You're allowed to have a hobby that doesn't make a dime because you get paid in this thing called fun. But I see a lot of this in Facebook groups where people are going, well, I've been doing this for two years, so uh, yeah, it's time to start monetizing this baby. And I'm really worried that people are going to get discouraged or even kind of burned out. And while it's commendable to kind of commit for something for a long period, it's not the longevity that inspires people to share your episodes. 
I mean, I don't think I've ever had anybody say, hey, Dave, man, you got to listen to the show. And I go, all right, why? And they go, they've been podcasting since 2014. That's never happened. And as I write right now, I'm working on an updated version of the book, More Podcast Money, which you can find at morepodcastmoney.com. So I'm researching a lot of stuff. And so I'm kind of sharing this because, like I said, I see a lot of people just thinking, well, I've hit my one and a half year mark, so I should be good to go to just, you know, let the money fall from heaven. And so the first thing you need is an audience. You monetize your audience. And we're going to talk about that a little more when we get to Patreon. So what is, and this is in order, like this is like, this is the best way you make money with your podcast. Here's the next to the best way. And this is based on my 14 years of doing podcasting, talking to podcasters. Number one. The number one way to make money with your podcast is to sell your own stuff, whether that's a product of some sort or whether it's a service. It is the top way. Why? Why, Dave? Because you harness the power of your influence. And as you lived and you've breathed in your target audience for a while, you should know what they want. You should know what they need. I was amazed. I went to a word camp in Kent, Ohio a couple weekends ago, and I'm with guys that put the D in developer. I mean, these are coding giant nerds, really nice people, by the way. But they were saying, because I was there to like, hey, show me more about this WordPress Gutenberg thing, because it seems a little clunky. And you know what they said? The documentation for Gutenberg is sparse at best, and everyone hates it. Nobody understands it. And I heard that and went, hmm, if I took the time to make a course on Gutenberg, I believe there is a need for that. Why? Because I'm up to my armpits and developers going, I don't get it. So if you take the time to go into your niche and find out, man, I wish I knew somebody that did this. If you become that person, they're going to buy from you. Why? Because for we heard Darren say, I've been delivering consistent value for years. They know, like, and trust him. So some of your audience, key there, some, not all, will buy from you, again, because of this thing called the law of reciprocity. That's a fun word right there, reciprocity. That means you've done something nice for them. You've delivered, and you're going to hear a lot about this word, value. You've delivered value to your audience. And after a while, they kind of feel like they owe you something. And if you've shared a little bit about yourself along the way, uh, they probably like you. Because if they didn't like you, they wouldn't be listening. And if that information that you provide is solid, then they're going to trust you because you're not steering them into a wall. And when you're known, when you're liked, and when you're trusted, the buzz phrase is, you're an influencer. Ooh. So when you launch that product or service, your influence. You influence them to purchase your product. Here's a story from back in the day. Scott Sigler wrote a book and he gave it away every chapter as a podcast. And people were, they could not wait until the next chapter. And they just like, what's next? When's the next one coming? What's the next one coming? He was recording it in his closet. Hall of Fame, by the way podcaster Scott Sigler, and the audience had his entire book. They're like, that was so great. It was a a mixture of science fiction and horror, and he tried to get his book published, and they're like, nobody's going to buy that. What kind of weirdo are you? And so he had this really engaged audience who was like, man, this was so entertaining. And so he said, hey, I'm actually going to put this book out a book that you know you now own in its entirety. I'm going to put it out on paper on this day on Amazon. If you liked this book, if, it, if you don't mind, could you go buy 
the paper version of this book to support me on this day on Amazon. He was the number two book on Amazon. Not number two in his category. Number two on Amazon book. What was number one? This little book called Harry Potter. So when you have that connection to your audience, they will buy your product. When you've delivered value on a consistent basis. So when we talk about products, this could be a book. It could be a course. It could be a membership site. It could be a crowdfunding campaign, a live webinar. I mean, all these products, they need to fill a space in your audience. Like, oh, I really wish we had somebody that could do this. When I interviewed Kathy Heller back on episode number 645, that was the episode called The Courage to Make Mediocre Things. Kathy Heller was in her niche and they're like, hey, she's a musician that is now making a living as a musician. And that's hard to do because she figured out what her audience wanted and gave it to them. And she's into getting her music in different TV shows and things like that. And these other musicians said, how do I get my music into TV and stuff? And so she said, let me show you. Now, had she not been in her niche and had she not filled a need, she wouldn't have made a dime. It's all about delivering value, both in your podcast and both in your products. So that's the number one way to make money with your podcast. Number two, the second best way to make money with your podcast from your audience. Again, I'm going to keep saying that you have to have an audience is selling other people's stuff, better known as affiliate sales. What are affiliate sales? This is when you sign up with a company to promote their product. You're given a link or a code that proves that the traffic or customer came from you. And if they buy something, you earn a commission. And when you match the right product with the right audience, you can make decent money. I once made hundreds of dollars a month promoting fitness cards on my weight loss show. And I made a whopping $1.50 per deck. And I was making hundreds of dollars a month. Why? Because that product was cheap. It was cheap to ship. My audience could buy it. It wasn't outrageously expensive and it fit my audience. I later would do the same thing with Fitbit. This was back when Fitbits were brand new and I bought one and I loved it. And this is a great place to start. If you can find a product that you love and that your audience would actually like. So in my case, it was a weight loss show. I was able to just openly and honestly talk about how I love my Fitbit. And every time somebody bought one, I made nine bucks. And as I was earning hundreds of dollars a month, when the commission was made, that was $9 at a time. Pat Flynn makes a ton of money with affiliate sales. He actually created a video tutorial showing you how easy it is to install WordPress on a web hosting company. The video was short. It made building a website look super easy and his affiliate links were through the roof. John Lee Dumas is another guy. These guys make millions of dollars, not from affiliate sales, but we'll talk about them as we go forward. But John does a show with a targeted audience, entrepreneurs. He does Entrepreneur on Fire. So what did he do? Did he go out and make a Facebook course? No. Did he go out and make a course on how to build a funnel? No. He sells ClickFunnels as an affiliate. And he sells a, a course on Facebook made by Amy Porterfield. He's affiliates for both those and makes tens of thousands of dollars from those. When you get the right product with the right audience, affiliate sales can really, really work great. I'll give an example of one is Audible. Now you might go, oh God, Audible. We're going to talk about Audible because they've been in the podcasting space from the beginning. Now, why is that? Because Audible is trying to get a hold of people who like to listen to stuff. And I did a show for musicians and Sammy Hagar came out with a book where he threw Eddie Van Halen so far under the bus, you couldn't even see him. And so first things first, I was an Audible customer and I was talking firsthand about a book that I knew that if I loved it, my audience would love it. And I said, hey, just go to this link. And you can get this book for free. And then the whole the whole pitch, which we've heard a million times, is, hey, if you don't like it, you can cancel after the first 30, before the first 30 days and keep the book for free. 
And then later when Stephen Tyler had a book come out, I talked about it. And again, I read all these books. So this is where affiliate stuff works the best when you can talk about a product you love. One of the hardest part of writing this book is I actually went through the Amazon terms of services and or terms of service, whatever, the TOS. I'm here to tell you it's the most confusing thing on the planet. With Amazon, you can sign up to be an associate. And the great thing about Amazon is they sell everything. But the bad news is like if you say, hey, if you buy through my link, you help support the show. Eh, Sorry, that'll get you banned. They have all sorts of really weird things. So if you are an Amazon associate, like if I say go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 2100, I think that's a link. That takes you to the Audio-Technica ATR 2100. That actually violates the rules because people don't know they're going to Amazon. It's it's really, a lot of their stuff is very gray. So whatever you're using for an affiliate, be sure to read their terms of service and realize that you may make some money from one affiliate, a lot from another one, and medium from another one. You'll hear this towards the end of this. We're going to talk about having multiple streams of income. So number one is sell your own stuff. Number two, sell other people's stuff. Number three. And the third one, and this is the one I've been spending a huge amount of time researching because when I wrote the original version of More Podcast Money, it didn't exist. And that is crowdfunding or donations. And again, I just need to, I'm going to just, I'm going to keep hitting this point. Crowdfunding. It's not fund crowding. It's crowdfunding. You need a crowd. You need an audience. And this form, people that are doing it, it requires an extremely engaged audience. And when people donate, their motivation is typically one of two things. Either A, they want you, because they know, like, and trust you, they want you to continue to create content and have the freedom to keep doing what you're doing. And they also, in some cases, believe in your message or the content. That This is their way of saying, yeah, you go, right? And then the other one is they want additional content, whether that's information, more episodes, whatever. Those are typically it. They They want to support you and your message. They want you to go out and keep doing what you're doing. And the second one is they want more stuff. And a couple examples of these, Adam Curry, by the way, the man that helped invent podcasting, and John C. Dvorak. They called this donation model the value for value model. And again, there's that V word again. It's going to keep coming back a lot. The value for value. We give you value. You give us something that is valuable. Their show is called the No Agenda Show, and it basically dissects the media. And it kind of helps you understand what is really going on in politics. And in some cases, kind of society and culture. They have a global audience, so you get the news from a lot of different viewpoints. It's actually pretty cool. They produce two episodes a week that are roughly about two hours long. I'm going to read two hours long, and the whole thing, they do uh, their whole segment where they introduce everybody. Yeah, I'm not making this up. Everybody that donates, they kind of mention, and they do it in a fun and informative way. For me, I kind of fast forward through that section, but I tolerate it because I want these guys to keep doing this. I'm definitely that number one. I want those guys to be able to have the freedom to keep doing this because I think it's a valuable service for people. And they have a segment at the beginning where they thank people who gave over $250 for that episode. They have a segment in the middle where they thank anyone who donated over 50, and they have a ceremony where they knight you. With, with music and whole production, if you've donated over $1,000. I've been giving them $11 a month for many months, and eventually I will become a knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. And when you become a knight of the No Agenda Roundtable, they give you a very nice ring, which of course you wear. And then people go, where did you get that ring? And you go, it's from the No Agenda show, which is actually kind of a cool thing. And so the No Agenda show audience is so engaged that they are now holding meetups without the hosts. I'm going to say their their audience is so engaged and they just want to talk about the stuff that you hear on the show that they're having meetups without the hosts. 
and Adam and John provide tools to their audience so that they can promote the show however you want to do it. They have special art websites. They have websites with just clips of sound effects and things like that. It's an amazing show. Jennifer Briney also does a show about politics called Congressional Dish, and she started out reading every bill that went through the U.S. Congress. That makes my brain explode just reading that sentence. And every American should listen to at least one episode of Congressional Dish. And Jen thanks all of her supporters at the end of the show. She announces it. When she gets done with all the news and all the the hanky-panky that's going on in Congress, she's like, hey, if you're just here for the news, we're done. I want to talk to the people that support me. And both those shows provide information, kind of sadly, that you can't get anyplace else. It's sad because I'll listen to these shows and then I'll turn on the news and they're talking about Kim Kardashian wore a white dress to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Both those shows, again, are done in an informative and entertaining fashion. One of my favorite things about Jen is if she, because she starts off, she's always very professional and Jen and she's going on and here's what Congress was doing today. And then once they start doing well, what Congress does, she will start dropping the F-bomb and they substitute a golf swing for her F-bombs. And it's hilarious. The uh, No Agenda Show accepts uh, checks and PayPal. They even have a jingle that promotes what website to go to. And Congressional Dish, Jen will pretty much take whatever kind of payment you want. She's got a bunch over there. And... The when as I did research into Patreon, which right now is kind of the top crowdfunding tool, aside from PayPal. Before there was Patreon, there was PayPal, and you can still use PayPal. Uh, but the biggest thing that people want in as you look at these successful people, it's additional content. But realize that additional content also has to have value. And I was thinking about this. And I'm going to kind of give you my thoughts here on this in a bit of a story form. And again, I'm going to say, if you want to start your Patreon the minute you start a podcast, that is your prerogative. I just don't know. Here's what I worry about. And I'm going to give you this. Here's a story. All right. I'm making this up, but you'll get the idea. Bobby loves Shih Tzu dogs. Now, I didn't say anything wrong there. That's actually a type of dog I had one growing up. And, uh, well, actually not growing up, as an adult. And But Bobby had one as a child, and he would love to have another Shih Tzu. And Bobby doesn't really make much money. And to get a full-bred, like, with papers kind of Shih Tzu, it costs quite a bit. So what does Bobby do? He really wants a Shih Tzu. Well, what he does, he spends time going to the pet store, looking at all the toys. Then he looks at all the hair accessories and the the brushes, spends some time over there. Then he spends money on an actual dog grooming class, even though he doesn't have a dog yet. He's getting prepared, though. And uh, then he spends some time looking at all the great beds in all these wonderful colors. Oh, this is going to be great when I get my dog. And he's just looking at all this stuff and spending time. And the people in the toy store are like, oh, here comes Bobby again. Wonder what he's going to obsess over then. And and then the next night, he spends more night on the internet. He just goes down this giant rabbit hole researching the best dog food. And then the next night, it's another night of rabbit trails on YouTube. He spends a ton of time watching Shih Tzu videos. Then he spends even more time going over the collars, the leashes. He he thinks about what kind of shampoos. He's going to figure out which one would be the best leash for his dog someday. And for me, this is a little bit like Patreon. Now, for the record, I like Patreon. I've met the people over there. They're great people. And there are some people that are killing it on Patreon. And it's a great platform for those who have a crowd. It is, after all, a crowdfunding platform. Here's my worry. I see people spending 
huge amount of time agonizing about what perk to have at what level and what what should my dollar amounts be at what level and they get very disappointed at the lack of numbers in fact they might even quit doing their podcast even though they love doing the podcast but now since they started the patreon it's kind of like well nobody loves me and if you were to look at their activity a large amount of time was spent in their Patreon dashboard, not because it's hard to set up, by the way, it's actually pretty easy, but that's because they are focused on Patreon. Meanwhile, they just published episode four. And if Bobby had taken all the time he spent at grooming class, at the pet store, searching for dog food, watching YouTube videos, looking at leashes, looking at toys, he could have taken all that time and, I don't know, delivered pizza He could have driven for Uber and Bobby would have had enough money to buy the dog. Step one of having a dog is get a dog. Step one of crowdfunding is get a crowd. And so if Bobby had taken the steps to get the money, he would have had the dog and he could have added all these things. He could have gotten maybe a cheaper leash or a brush or food and upgraded as he could Then in the meantime, he would have had the love and joy of having the dog. The joy that the dog brings him would inspire him to save money and get those extra items because the dog was worth it. And so instead of focusing on their audience and what they really want to hear and focusing on the content that's going to get their audience to go, did you hear what was on this show? And they're going to go tell their friends, they're going, should we call it bronze, silver and gold? Or should we call it uh Kirk Picard? And, you know, I'm like, no, uh, you need a crowd first. And what happens is we think, wow, I've got a hundred people. If I could get 50% of my people to sign up and give me five bucks, that would be great. Except you're not going to get 50%. You're not going to get 40%. You're not going to get 30%. You're not going to get 20. You are not going to get your, uh, according to Patreon from their own blog, one to 5%. I hate to be a negative Nancy, but you need to know this so you can plan ahead. And what I, I'm worried about is people are starting podcasts not to make money, to make money quickly. And here's a clip from Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk, you may have heard about him. He's a big business marketing guru. And this is what he has to say about focusing on only making money. People get close to quitting when people overextend themselves financially and get into trouble. When somebody they love very dearly gets sick or when they're just genuinely not doing something they enjoy and they're doing it for the money. The reason so many people burn out is because they're doing it for the money. Yeah. I'm not doing it for the money. So again, I don't want to say here that making money with your podcast makes you bad, just make you evil. And we all want money, let's face it. Money is a cool thing to have. I'm saying when you start out with your only reason you are starting this podcast is to make money and to make it quickly, Rob Walsh from Lipson has said, you know what? I think you have better odds at going to the track. And I heard someone today on uh, podcasting for Radio Dummies say it might make more sense to go get your real estate license. That's all I'm saying here. It's not going to happen quickly. Number four. Now, number four, again, number one, sell your stuff. Number two, sell other people's stuff. Number three, crowdfunding and donations. Number four, host red ads. Currently, less than 10% of all podcasts get 5,000 downloads per episode. And that's the metric that we're looking for. And actually, some of them want 20,000 downloads per episode. Now, this doesn't mean you can't get a sponsor if you don't have those kind of numbers. I've had sponsors on this show that fit my audience, whether it's been Focus Right or the Podcast Engineering School or whatever, it's fit. My audience, Podcast Movement, was another sponsor. I'm very, very picky on who will be a sponsor on my show. And some advertisers use the old way of advertising. And this is, unfortunately, it's held over from radio, where you pay a rate based on the number of downloads. And for the record, this doesn't work in podcasting, especially if you have an audience that's smaller 
than those numbers I mentioned. This is actually called CPM, and CPM is like cost per mille, and I think that's Italian or Greek or something, but to me, I think it should be CPT, cost per thousand, but you know, that was the way it is, and that's the way it is. And I don't use that. I do a flat rate. When you advertise on my show, I'm like, it's this much per episode, and you have to do it for at least a month because it doesn't make any sense to advertise on one episode. And so if you're using the CPM model, the cost per thousand downloads, and you get $30 for a thousand downloads and your show gets 200 downloads per episode, that episode earns $6, which is why CPM doesn't work for most podcasters. Hard to feed a family on $6. And the more niche your audience and the more niche your product, the better the match. And the better the match, the higher you can charge. But I hear a lot of times anywhere from 20 to 40. If you're super niche and you got a product that's worth a ton, maybe 50. But I hear a lot like 30, 35, which again is like, ooh, cool, until you realize that's cost per thousand downloads and you have 150 or something like that. And that's why it doesn't work. Where it works are these people that have lots and lots, tens of thousands of downloads. And then what they'll do is they'll have maybe two ads at the beginning, two ads in the middle. And so now they've got four and it's paying, you know, X amount per thousand downloads. This is, again, this is less than 10,000 people. And you'll also notice that those shows that are making a living from ads are doing multiple shows a week. And again, here's that dreaded V word. Multiple valuable shows per week. That's a hard road to sell and it takes a while to get there. But host red ads, from what I've seen, and the reason they are down beneath the crowdfunding is I see people without those numbers, they're actually making more money, I think, than host red ads because less people can do host red ads. And so that's why I put them here. Number five. And the last way, well, I should say in this segment, I mean, there are other things like advertising on your website. We'll talk about that here in a second. But the fifth, and in my opinion, worst way to earn money from your podcast is what I'm calling dynamic ad insertion. And this, unfortunately, I don't want to knock dynamic ad insertion because the actual technology is pretty cool. There are tools like Libsyn Pro where you can say, look, I want to insert an ad into Poughkeepsie because I'm a comedian and I'm playing the chuckle hut and I want this ad to appear from this date to this date and only show up for people in Poughkeepsie. And there are other tools that do this as well for other companies, but that's an example of that. And then you could make your own ad. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, although that is dynamic ad insertion, that's dynamic ad used in the right way. What's the wrong way? And this is where you'll hear a pre-roll for a Geico ad or something like that. And that's fine. Again, it's your show. If you want to start off the show with a dynamic ad from, you know, whatever, Lowe's, Home Depot, Progressive, some generic ad, that's fine. I refer to this as podcasting welfare, basically. It's, again, it's not the technology that's bad, but currently podcasters who are using this service, you're kind of getting the shaft, in my opinion. And this is where people go, well, it's better than a poke in the eye. And I'm like, oh, really? A generic dynamic ad is just, ugh. for me, the other one I hate is you'll be in the middle of a sentence and all of a sudden ad will come. And I'm listening to a podcast right now on podcasting. And the minute somebody takes a breath, they insert an ad. If you know you're going to be putting in an ad, why don't you go, we'll continue this discussion in a second and then go in and put your ad insertion. But instead it's like, I don't know. What do you think about that? Stan 15% will save it. I'm like, what? It jars me. I'm like, stop doing that. Now I've actually been testing a service that you can get money right now. So when you hear people go, you can make money from day one. Okay, they're not lying. That's true. It is money. It is, and I'm not making this up. This is not a typo. 
0.00. Now, if we were rounding to two decimals, that would be 0.00. That's how much you earn. And you're going, Dave, that's nothing. That's kind of my point. But if you draw it out to four decimal points, it's 0.0017. That is a real-life example from my account. Now, if we go back to that show that has 200 downloads, all right, $200 or 200 downloads times 0.0017, that means for that episode with 200 downloads, I made 34 cents. And this is where you have to ask yourself, is that 34 cents worth possibly turning off a potential listener who could then later tell somebody else about your show. And that's a a decision you have to make. But this is why I say, look, this is podcast welfare, 34 cents. And then they'll go, well, okay, well, but I have two ads in the, uh, (laughs) in the episode. I'm like, Oh, all right. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, you know, do that to you. That's what are you going to do with your 68 cents? And then they go, well, actually, I put four ads. And this is where there's a great documentary. You've probably heard me talk about this. I've been talking about it all over the place. It's called uh, Corporate.fm on Amazon Prime. It's a documentary. And it shows where the radio industry quit trying to grow their audience and instead said, how can we bleed more blood from the stone? How can we get more money out of our current audience? audience. And that's kind of the way I see it. Well, how many ads can I put into my my episode before people start tuning out? That's really, again, it's your show. You can do what you want. But in the same way that now people are like, what, radio? Who listens to that? Maybe we should take a lesson from that. And if you're going to use dynamic ads, for the love of God, would you plan for it? Instead of in the middle of an episode, I'm like, what are you doing? Huh. So, Those are the ways. Now, you can do things, too. When you make a media kit and things like that, you can say, look, you can advertise here. Here's my flat rate. Here's this. Here's that. And you can be mentioned in the show notes. And you can have a banner on the page. And and that's where you say, would you like option A, where it's in the podcast, in the newsletter, on social media, and this and this and that? Or would you like option B, where it's just in the episode and in the show notes, but no social media, no newsletter, or option C, where it's just in the podcast. Notice all those are you getting money. So that's where you can do things with like newsletters, social media, things like that. The thing I thought about is people that are making a living with a podcast, and I looked at a few, have a few things in common, a few traits, I guess we could say. And the first one is they have multiple, multiple income streams. They sell products, they have affiliate sales, and they have ads or any combination of all of the above. And so let's look at John Lee Dumas. He has his membership site. He's got books. He's got ads, and he's got affiliate sales. Pat Flynn has products. He has affiliate sales, et cetera. And the people that just have ads, have humongous, and by that I mean humongous audiences that have taken decades to build. Case in point, Joe Rogan. Case in point, Jordan Harbinger. They've been doing this for decades. And you're like, Joe Rogan hasn't had a podcast that long. Joe Rogan has been in entertainment. He's been on TV. He's a celebrity. And that's the other thing that in some cases is a trait of people that are making a living with a podcast. And the other way sometimes you don't see people making a, or you don't see, is there are comedians that are selling out bigger venues. They may not have ads on their podcast, but they're selling out bigger venues. Why? Because people know, like, and trust them. And so where they used to do, you know, the Chuckle Hut, now they're doing the Civic Theater, which now holds twice as many people. So they're getting paid. So number one, people that make a living with a podcast have multiple income streams. Number two, they often have a spouse or partner that has a decent job with health benefits. Not all of them, but some of the people I'm looking at, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that explains a lot. And that's not to diminish them. 
they're making killer money, but a lot of times it's easier to jump off the cliff if you've got somebody at the bottom catching you. And then I already mentioned number three, they have an audience before they started podcasting, or in some cases, they have great contacts with people that can get them lots of exposure. Again, not all, but many, and I don't want to cry foul on that and go, like, oh, they have friends that work in the newspaper industry. Meh. If you have good content, it will get there. But the other thing I want to point out here, so many times we just measure things by downloads or we measure things just by the money. And in some cases, you get paid in confidence. How valuable is confidence? Think about that, where you didn't used to stand up for yourself or you were afraid to talk to people or what you get paid in confidence. Think about the, who was it? The, uh, the tin man? No, the cowardly lion. And now the, the great Oz goes, here you go. Have some confidence, buddy. You get paid in some cases in speaking gigs, or maybe if you're me in a permanent job, in some cases you get paid in friendship or peace of mind, knowing that you belong, that you're not the only one who feels this way. And I'm sorry, that you can't put a dollar amount on. And I kind of get discouraged sometimes when I see things like, oh, I only have 200 downloads. I'm like, there's, you know, Jim Collison, my co-host from uh, Ask the Podcast Coach, he's over at TheAverageGuy.tv. He just briefly mentioned, because Jim, not a lot, but occasionally will have a cigar. And he mentioned like his favorite cigar. And that's, that's it. He didn't even ask. He's just like, oh, man, my favorite cigar is whatever brand. And some guy reached out to him and said, hey, what's your address? I'm going to send you a box. That is somebody who's been delivering value, has an engaged audience, and it's the law of reciprocity. You've been doing something nice for me. I want to do something for you. Last year, my brother, who is turned, uh, he's 60, and I've never been so happy. His, uh, his uh, what you call it, the thing on the back porch, his uh, grill, his grill broke. And I was like, this is awesome because I know I can buy him something that he needs. And I worked with my sister-in-law and I chipped in. We got him a really nice grill. Why? Because my brother's done so much for me. I actually started the school of podcasting in his basement after I'd gotten divorced and filed for bankruptcy. My brother came in. I was like, you know what? I've always been waiting for the day when I can pay you back. And this is just a small drop in the bucket. So your audience, when you've been delivering value, wants to give it back. Now, does that mean if you're not getting people offering to send you cigars that you're a horrible podcast? No, but this is where we've talked about this so often is that you you should be knowing. You don't want to guess. Is this a good episode or not? Now, that's not always going to be the case. That can't be the case all the time. You're not going to be perfect, but you should have an idea. And Then it's just a matter, like Darren said, doing it on a consistent basis. And now it's time for this. Being in your Cheerios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a podcast consultant, I guess I should be saying, just jump in and you can make a million dollars a year. I can't do that. And I kind of feel bad because, well, for some of you, I may be peeing in your Cheerios. And there are tools online that you can now use to see how much money you need to have a certain take-home pay. Now, I live in Ohio, not super expensive to live here, and I went, and I'll have a link in the show notes, US, uh, it's, it's the salarycalculator.co.uk. And I said, you know what, if I can make 60 grand, I'm not going to have to really worry about the bills, everything's going to be cool. So I'm like, all right, let's start there. I want to have a take-home pay of 60 grand. If I want to make 60 grand a year, I need to bring home $75,576 as 20 to 30% of that is going to Uncle Sam. Good old taxes. Now, if I'm married with children, you might want to actually have health insurance. And I've talked to some people, and this is a legit number, that are paying $1,700 a month. And 
I talked to somebody else and they go, really? This person had more kids paying over $3,000 a month for health insurance. And I've had people say, no, 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 no. They need to go shopping. You can get less than that. But those are the two numbers I've seen. And I've heard other people go, no, no, it's, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month or whatever, but that's still a lot of money. The point is, if you want to make $60,000 a year, that would mean you'd have to make somewhere around $98,192 in gross revenue to bring home $60,000. And apparently we're never going to retire because we're not putting any money away for retirement. Just throw me into a wheelchair and send me into hospice. I'll be good to go. Apparently now, If we break that down, the $98,192, that is $1,888 per week. Look, it's fun with math. Yay. Now, assuming you're working 40 hours a week, that means you're making $47 an hour, technically $47.21, but $47 an hour. But there are some things to keep in mind with that. That means your calendar is booked solid from morning to night. When you wake up, bam, you're doing consulting or whatever it is. And this also means that you never take a vacation. What you, you actually want a vacation. Okay. How you want two weeks of vacation. All right. Guess what? That means you now need to make $101,969 in gross revenue as assuming that you're going to take your, your normal weekly salary will be put towards your vacation. And that now means your hourly rate is $49.02. Again, assuming you're working 40 hours a week. And this is where people end up working way more than 40 hours a week. Why? Because that's just doing your, your service. Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to do all the paperwork and all the tax stuff and all that other running your business stuff. And then you go, oh, well, Okay, and then I will hire somebody. Well, then you got to make more money. So when we say, man, someday I would love to quit my day job, I would love to. I I don't want to quit. I love my day job currently, but I get that some people do. And it would just be great if I talked into a microphone for a living. That would be great. And it would be great if monkeys would fly out of my butt. Well, I don't know if that would be great, but you get the idea. And so I say that not to pee in your Cheerios. But realize if you're going to be opening up whatever, you know, I said, you, what's, let's go over the list again. Number one, products or services. This is why sometimes products and services may seem a little expensive because 30% of that is not going to them. Selling other people's products, crowdfunding and donations, host red ads, and then dynamic ad insertion. You need kind of all of these If you actually want to quit your day job and or a spouse that makes a nice chunk of change. Being in your Cheerios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go back to Patreon. We said you're only going to get one to five percent. According to Patreon, the average donation is seven dollars. Now, in my world, it's five, but okay, we'll go with seven for the math. And if I need to make $8,182 a month and each patron is averaging $7, that means I need 1,169 patrons. And if only 5% of my audience becomes patrons, the total number of downloads for the month is 23,379 so that 5% of them will become patrons. And you might say, yeah, but that 23,379 a month is only 5,845 downloads a week. And I'm like, yeah, but that 23,379 for the month should be unique listeners. And I say this for those that want to just use Patreon so you know what you're up against. Being in your Cheerios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not all gloom and doom. My buddy Gary Leland, Hall of Fame podcaster, does a show about fast pitch softball, women's fast pitch softball. And he used to spend $100,000 a year promoting his sporting goods show because he runs a sporting goods place. And he created a podcast for a specific audience and delivers information that you can't get anyplace else because women's fast pitch softball, not always on the news, not really in the newspaper. So he created a place and people were like, oh my gosh, I love women's fast pitch softball. And now he is his own sponsor for that. And 
is making well he he added a hundred thousand dollars to his bottom line right there. And there are many other stories that I'll be spotlighting in the book more podcast money and just realize again, I'm not here to just have you go oh, forget it. I'm not even gonna start one. Stephen King's first novel was rejected 30 times. Richard Branson, the billionaire of Virgin, right? Virgin Records and Virgin uh, Airlines and things like that. He has dyslexia. So does Henry Winkler. The Fonz, hey, has dyslexia. Uh, Jim Carrey was homeless. Albert Einstein didn't speak until he was four. Bill Gates, his first business failed. And that guy's like one of the wealthiest dudes on the planet. Oprah Winfrey gave birth at age 14 and lost her child. There are all sorts of things. You know, we always hear about this one. Thomas Edison failed a thousand times before creating the light bulb. And when asked, he said, well, I've learned a thousand ways that it didn't work. Or I found 10,000 ways it didn't work, depending on what uh, you source for that. I mean, there are all sorts of people that have overcome all sorts of adversity. Jay-Z couldn't get signed to any record labels. Think about that. That guy has like Oprah money. He couldn't get signed to any record labels. Vincent Van Gogh only sold one painting, one in his entire lifetime. Franklin Roosevelt became partially paralyzed at age 39 and then went on to become the president. Uh, Simon Cowell had a failed record company. Uh, I just watched a, a documentary on Joan Jett, you know, a Hall of Fame person, Joan Jett, I love rock and roll, et cetera, et cetera. And she was rejected by 23 record labels and eventually just made her own. So sometimes you will find a way. Charlize Theron witnessed her mother kill her father. That's a little hard to overcome, but she did it. Steven Spielberg was rejected from USC. That's the University, I believe, of Southern California twice. That's pretty funny. So again, don't get like, oh, this is never going to work. I just always want you to go in informed, make an informed decision. And as we wrap up this segment, remember, above all, you don't have to make money with your podcast. You can do it for fun. You can get paid in all sorts of other currencies that have nothing to do with dead presidents. The question of the month. Well, first things first, I really want you to go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash survey 19, as in survey 19. That is my full survey for you to go through. And are there going to be gifts given to anyone, maybe, potentially, that fills that out? Maybe. You never know. In the past, we've given away some cool stuff. But what I would like to hear from you is what you like about the show and what you wish I would change about the show. And if you want, what you would like to hear in the future. Just three little questions. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. Because, so you might be saying, Dave, why do you have an online survey, and an audio survey. Now, the one I really want you to do is the online one, schoolofpodcasting.com slash survey19. However, you can't listen to a spreadsheet. So I'm asking you if you could also then just do three little ones. What's your favorite thing about the show? What do you wish I would change? And maybe what you would like to hear in the future. I need those because this will be the July question of the month by July 26th. And then I'll come out on July 29th. Go over to school slash contact. There are multiple ways to leave your uh, quick little answer there. And again, school slash survey 19. Now I know this is weird. Cause I just, especially that whole peeing in your Cheerios thing. You're like, how do you not get frustrated? How do you not get upset by starting your podcast in the right direction? It's always interesting when people sign up at the school of podcasting, they go, you know, the planning, the planning actual course is one of the longest ones. Yeah. Because less planning equals that didn't work so well. 
right? How does it go? Measure twice, execute once or something like that. So I've got all sorts of courses from planning to how to, what the right equipment, how to build your website. What do you need on your website? A whole big section on content because we talked about it today. Value, value, value. It's all there. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code listener. In addition to all the courses, you get live Q&A with me once a week. We call it Lunch with Dave. And then twice a month, we have extended dance versions of that on different times to try to fit people with different time zones. In addition to the private Facebook group where you can throw out ideas and network with other podcasters. We also just started a new thing where once a week we will pick somebody and we will all critique their episode. Check it out. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Thank you so much for listening until next week. Class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. Does a show about women's fast piss fast piss? Well, we are doing a lot of peeing today. No cheer. Oh, holy cow. <laughs>